What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. My name is Adam. I am your host. So on today's episode, I am going to be talking about when is the right time to sell. And I'm going to bury the lead a little bit here and say that there is never the right time to sell. I think the concept of buy low, sell high is a meme. It's not actually real. I think that you'll never... You there's a there are chances where you will buy a card when it's the lowest price and you'll sell it when it's the highest price. And when you do that, I think you then have to look at it and say, how how did you do that and what indicators did you use to determine when you thought was the right time to sell and when you thought was the right time to buy? Because I think looking back and yesterday I talked about on the po- yesterday on the podcast I talked about being wrong and but being right is also something that you if you take uh, more of an introspective look at what you did I think you'll be able to find you'll be able to find reasoning that will help you in the future but also being wrong is also very important as well like looking back and figuring out like what happened and why like did you like why you were why you bought something and it didn't go up or why you sold something and it continued to went up or why you bought something and it maybe the prices went down that's all kind of part of the dynamics of the hobby itself and i think if you look at reasonings why maybe you were wrong maybe you took someone's advice and you didn't really do the research or maybe uh maybe you had a couple beers and you were like oh this maybe is a good one or maybe you watched um you watched a YouTube highlight tape and you were like, that's what I want to go on. Or maybe you saw them tweet something that you liked and maybe, or, but if you're using all of that stuff as your research, that's kind of where I think is like the golden sweet spot. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a thing, but the sweet spot of where, um, you can make mistakes and, or where you can really make, um, make good decisions. Because I think if you, if you find yourself, because like for me, like a, t- a tweet is how I found out about Erling Haaland and Kai Havertz. Like those are two players that I wouldn't have known about if I didn't see a singular tweet about them on some random day when I was on Twitter. But I think there's also been times where I've seen a tweet and I can't think of any specifically off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's been times where I've seen a tweet or I've seen someone post about something and then I'll go and look and either I'll they'll be on my radar and then I'll be wrong, but... Uh, the the dynamics of buying and selling. I think I, I was listening to the Card Talk pod with uh, Ryan, Card Collector 2, Lou, and Tyler uh, from 1.37 p.m. They had Adam Lefko on. And it's a phenomenal interview, and I highly suggest going to listen to it. If you even want to pause this podcast right now and go and listen to that, I highly suggest it because it, Lefko is a phenomenal commentator. He he has like this he has like this crazy awesome energy and it's even something where I've I've tried to listen to more of his stuff to try and improve some of the stuff that I'm saying on here. And because I think there is for, from a from a hobby commentator from my perspective from a content creator I'm always trying to figure out how to make things better like the podcast how I'm speaking how uh, my commentary maybe my takes uh and, and like cuz you look at bar, like a place like Barstool in my opinion I think you know and they're controversial and you can have your opinion on them but they're a bunch of extremely talented 
uh, individuals that work for Barstool, and you know, you can pick and choose what you want to listen to, but uh, like part of my take, for example, like Big Cat and PFT, like those guys are extremely talented at what they do and they're doing what I'm doing right now but for for whatever reason like working for Barcelona I think is a big deal and I think longevity is another reason why they're so successful but like their commentary style I think is something that I try and take in learn from because they're not always right about everything and maybe oh, damn I should have probably put that point in yesterday's episode but whatever they're not always right like they have Barstool is one of the biggest sports gambling networks in, in the U.S., and their their whole shtick is that they're they're not good. Like, that's kind of their shtick. So I think taking that type of information and energy and figuring out how you can apply it to, if you're a commentator or you're a hobby guy, and same with Lefko. Lefko has, I don't know, he's like witty. I don't know. I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it is about him that I think makes him such a good because uh, he's like he's on TV and stuff, so maybe I'm trying to figure that stuff out. So, but either way, so buy, like buying and selling, there's never you're never gonna find yourself really selling at the right time. Like, the, oh, and ba- so the whole point of this was back to because they were talking about this. They were saying that if you have a plan for your cards, if you have a plan for what you're gonna do with the money, then any time you're selling is a okay time to sell. Like for me. I sold a lot of stuff during quarantine. I sold a lot of stuff um, towards not really the end of quarantine, but towards the middle of it. Because uh, I don't know, if, I don't think we're at the end. I think we're still kind of in the in the middle of it. But then I sold some stuff in March. I sold some stuff in May. I sold some stuff in August. But it was all because I was trying to sell the stuff so I could pay for some of the the wedding. And I I'm not going to sit here and say that I paid for like a lot of the wedding. Like I paid for I think some of the some of the specific things that I needed to pay for, uh, which was like uh, groomsman stuff, uh, stuff on the honeymoon that I paid for, uh, other other random stuff here and there that I was responsible for. And that's what that money went to. So unfortunately, I had to take it out of the market um, and use it for something else. But if you are keeping it in the market, like if you are... And, and another example of selling stuff is when I sold uh like a bunch of basketball stuff so that way I could buy the courtside Luca PSA 10 which didn't end up coming to fruition which is unfortunate and actually has gone up pretty significantly in price. I wanted to buy the courtside at the time for around 300 325. I got outbid at the last second and now that card is like a 4 or 5000 card which is like I said I that's kind of what I thought was going to happen because of the population of the PSA, the number, because the courtside card itself is a, that's a card that is short printed in select, so I like that, but I was going to buy that card because I sold some of my other cards, so if you are in grant, I don't remember what I sold exactly, but I sold like three or four cards that would ended up being like $300, so then what ended up happening after that was instead of taking that money out, I wanted to put it back into the market, which ended up working out pretty well because I bought the Donovan Mitchell PSA 10 Select Rookies, which range from about $25 to $30. And I think I still have one of them, which I actually found the other day, which is because I sold six of them and I was like, I could have swore I bought another one. And I guess I did because I found it in in uh, in a, in my box, in, in, in a box where I have a bunch of other cards. And I was like, oh, here's, I found it. So, like, and those cards went from, 
like the th- the twenty five to thirty dollars to I think I sold them on average for around a hundred and ten. So you know I that from that I made six seven hundred dollars, and from there that is when I actually that was some of the money that I took out for the wedding. So if I were to put the six seven hundred dollars that I made from those cards back into the hobby, I probably would have done something different. But I also don't necessarily. I can't go back and speculate how I would have bought them. Um, I don't know if I would have bought soccer. I don't know if I would have bought basketball again. I don't know if I would have bought baseball maybe, but I would have, um, I sold some stuff and I had a plan for what I was going to do with the money. Like if you don't need the money, I don't think if you don't need the money and the cards are in a safe type of investment, like if you are, if you are in on some like Jason Tatum or some Lucas or some or LeBrons or Kobe's or KD's, like I ne- I don't necessarily think that if you don't need to sell the cards, then don't sell them because I think that we're still sort of in this stage of the hobby where there's still going to be a ton of growth, in my opinion. And this is this is based off of the fact that I still think we are. Um, kind of in the beginning stages of where I think the hobby can still go. Um, I think in two, three, four, five, six years, ten years, whatever, we're we're gonna see it's gonna be maybe a different, totally different hobby. And I don't know if I, I do think that we will get to a point where it's like fantasy football, where it's as mainstream as fantasy football. And if you if you think of it that way, maybe twenty eighteen, if that's where if you're if, if if we're comparing the two um two entities there, fantasy football uh for fantasy sports, because it was fantasy baseball for this example, and sports cards, if you compare the two, there's an uh really good ESPN thirty for thirty. It's called Silly Little Game, and it's basically how fantasy baseball was created essentially. And it was created and then it went like twenty, thirty years in in the future, and and that and that's kind of where we're at now, in a way. I think um, I think it was the seventies is when it was created, so actually a little bit longer than that. But if we are looking at if we're looking at a industry that could get that much growth in twenty years from now, I think that we're still in the stages where they're they're still in the almost the creation stages of the of the market. And I think also based off the fact that we're seeing I think we're seeing a ton of different technology that's going to come into the fold that's going to make that's going to make things easier uh for people to do the research. It's going to make people it's going to make it easier to buy, maybe not buy and sell, but it's going to make things easier from that standpoint as well. We're seeing tons of that type of technology, tons of like market tracking um, we're seeing platforms being built to make it easier to buy and sell. So we're seeing all of this stuff that is kind of in the early stages and that in 10 to 15 years, I think we're going to see like, because when StockX was built, no one really, I don't think StockX was, people weren't dying for StockX to be built. And I think that's kind of where we're at with the hobby, like a StockX or, I mean, GOAT is another example. Grailed is another example. Those are all um, marketplace. I mean, even, I don't know about eBay. I don't know if, like, like a marketplace itself. And, uh, well, I mean, we'll see. Like, there are already tons of, mar- like, slaps, or, uh, Star Stock is already a, a pretty big platform. Check on my cards, obviously. My Slabs is another one. StockX, you can sell cards on there. And I think the fact that a place like StockX was one of the early investors in starting up this marketplace, 
I think that's kind of a big deal as well. Um, and it gives people another opportunity to sell on a different platform if they don't want to sell on eBay. And I think the more the more opportunities there are to buy and sell, I think is going to entice people because like not everybody has had such an no not everybody has had a pleasant experience on eBay already. And people already know what eBay is and it I don't think I don't know if it has a stigma or anything like that, but I think it's there's sometimes where people just like look at and they're like on eBay, like I'm not going to sell something on eBay, like I don't know how. But if you look at maybe one of these other platforms that being that are being built that are being built for sports cards, that's kind of the other important thing I think about these. eBay has millions of different categories of stuff you can sell, but people are building these platforms for sports cards in general, and that gets back to the point of you're never going to really know when is the right time to buy and sell that it's important to it's important to recognize either why you made the correct sale or why you made the incorrect sale or incorrect buy or correct buy it's important to recognize why how all this stuff happened because i think from my standpoint i definitely can fall into a into a boat where Something good happens, and I don't necessarily I don't necessarily analyze it as much as I should. Like, realistically, if I could go back, I should have analyzed why the Erling Halan and why the Kai Havertz tweets. Like, what was I doing at the time that, or what was going on that made me realize that like these guys were going to be good. And like, what else was going on? Because if you can recreate, because I'm sure I've seen millions of tweets of people who aren't good or who I didn't look into and are good. So analyzing that type of stuff I think is important when you're in this in this sports card. It's just a different it's a different way. Like I'm coming at this from more of a marketing perspective where I'm using more market tools and um not, not really customer data but like consumer information and seeing what people are talking about so like my style of how i do it is going to be different than how if someone's coming at this from like a data perspective or or they're coming at it from like they just want they watch a ton of sports and they want to come at it from that angle so there are so many different angles to come at this with that and there's so many times where i think you can make a mistake and sell something too early like I sell I sold a Mbappe card for $250 that I sold it too early and it was more to prove a point that I could sell one of them um so that was kind of something that happened and was not the right decision to make and I think that was a decision that I made because I was trying to maybe I was trying to prove something and that's why I sold it at the time so I think if you have a plan for why you're going to sell, because this is the, this is kind of the main message and the main point that I took from the Card Talk podcast uh, with Adam Lefko. He he was talking about like if you have a plan, like if you want to sell out on a bunch of cards and then you have the money, or you maybe you just need the money. That could be the other thing. Like in my mind, I'm looking at it and I'm saying. You know, with quarantine and with all this stuff, things have gotten a little hairy. So I'm looking at it and I'm saying, well, I mean, I could use the money because you know, who at what? Who knows what could happen? Like things are gonna get, things are getting crazy. Things are things are crazy. So it's like to have at least to sell one of something and to have the money. I think for me is it's it helps me with my anxiety a little bit because. The and also the fact that I just I have a like since I was able to get into a lot of these cards fairly inexpensive a couple summers like last summer, 
and I was able to buy the cards, that that gives me a little bit of a lee of, of leeway when I if I need money for something, I can sell one of the cards that I have, and it's not it's not ideal, but it's it's it helps me um, relieve some of my anxiety, in my opinion, because like. I don't know, you know, I think everybody always talks about things crashing, things going up, things going down, and I don't think we'll ever see a type of decrease like we did in the 90s with card prices and what happened with cards, but I think we could, I don't know, you know, who knows what could happen, like I don't, I think we're honestly building an established market where there. I don't think there are... It, it, it's very similar to sneakers. Like, I don't understand why people think sports cards are such like in such a bubble and such a um, such a, such a, such a high right now where they could crash. Like, but nobody talks about that with sneakers. Like, I understand there is um, there's other market dynamics that would make sneakers and just hype beast high end type of items like stuff on StockX. Like, I don't understand why there are all these other types of markets that people invest in and buy in and buy and sell but like sports cards for whatever reason as soon as something goes down there's a it's a crash it's like there's a there's a crash everything's going to go down and it, it may just be that people want it to i think that's kind of an I, that's kind of a situation because i think with shoes maybe there wasn't a collecting nature to it before it became kind of a marketplace like with cards people were just collecting cards there was probably millions of people collecting cards that weren't that didn't really care if they went up or down. They just wanted to buy the cards and they wanted to they wanted to and then now the cards go up and they can't really necessarily buy them cuz they're a lot more expensive and they want the cards to go down. They want the cards to become more cheaper so they can just buy them again. They want they want the cards to go down so that way they can buy, they can find them in stores again. So, I think you got to look at it that way as well and Whatever you want to do with your cards, I think that long term we're still we're still in the beginning stages of a lot of this type of stuff. So if you're buying cards, you've really got to have a plan with what you're buying. That's kind of my other other point that I think I want to make in this podcast is like when you're buying the cards, you should sort of have a plan of when to sell them, and then you have to be disciplined enough to then sell them at that point. Like I think that if you're buying the cards and your plan is to say, well, once this card doubles, that's when I want to sell because I want to double my money. But then you kind of have to look at it and say, well, if I'm doubling my money, what am I going to do with the money? Because if it's somebody who came out of nowhere, the card could go up the same at the same rate that it went down. Like the bull bull thing, like the car, the bull bulls went up super crazy and then they went down. But like, if you're looking at like maybe a, a Devin Booker type player, his cards also went up at a similar rate to Bull Bull, but like Devin Booker is a much better player. And if, but if your plan was to was for Devin Booker to go from you know whatever it was a hundred dollars to I think they're five or six hundred dollars now. Um, if your plan was to sell at three hundred four hundred dollars, like what are you gonna do with the money when you sell it? Like are you taking the money out? Do you just need the money? Like I don't, and that's kind of the 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 point of this podcast is that you're never gonna necessarily know when is the right time to buy or to sell your cards. And if you have a plan, at least, then you can at least then you can look at it and say, do you know why you sold it? Because there's been times where I've just sold stuff and then in my or I've just bought stuff and then in my head I'm like I don't even know why I bought or sold that. Like is and, and that's kind of an an important 
piece of information that you all should be also should be looking at and saying, why did I do this? That 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 it's an important analysis of your own of your own market habits, I think. Because you're never like I said, you're never going to you you can, but it's so rare to buy and sell at the at the bottom and at the P buy buy low, sell high. It's like it's it's a like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's a meme. It's like that's not actually how buying and selling stuff really works in real life. Like, yes, like you, if you were buying Mbappe cards at uh, forty dollars and you sold it at three thousand dollars, like that's probably you probably sold at a high there. But like in the future, do do those cards become thirty five hundred, four thousand? Like who knows? Like right now, they're obviously not. They're at around seven hundred, seven fifty. So you know, if you didn't sell or you didn't buy. You you probably you didn't make a lot of money or you didn't lose a lot of money, so you kind of have to look at it that way too. And I think that's that's pretty much buying and selling. You always have to look at it and say there's always going to be another opportunity. That's kind of the big thing, is that even if you sell before the peak or you buy and then things go down, there's always if as long as you can still sell the card, there's always going to be an opportunity for you to go back and make money on something else. Um, and that's basically the points that I want to get across here and all I've got for today's episode. So I want to thank you all for listening. Um, if you're listening on YouTube or if you are listening on iTunes, thank you very much. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, that would be phenomenal. Or subscribe. Go follow on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit. Thank you all for listening. Also on Spotify, I want to appreciate you guys as well. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.